episode six of that Blackwell Tweet Talk with Raphael and Charles. It's Raphael. Yep. My man Charles on the line, aka Todd Milley, aka Caleb Goldman. <laughs> yeah, there. Yo, shout out. I'm actually going by Backpack yeah, Millie now. But uh, shout out to all the people that have been tuning in, man. It's just funny because, like, when we started it, I didn't know how many people would tune in, but people have been checking it out. People have been getting value from it. So it's just dope to see. I mean, a principle that I always kind of try to tell people is if you build it, they will come. If you start it, they will support it. If you, if you create it, they will tune in. So, you know, surprising ourselves, people. You know, Raphael started this. He's had this idea. And now look at it. And, I mean, imagine what it'll be after a week of just doing this week after week after week when you have 52 episodes in a week or however many episodes in, in a year, rather. So dope stuff, man. Yeah, man. And this, this last episode is, pick, is picking up steam. I mean, we still haven't reached like a – we're not to the numbers yet that we want, but it's picking up steam. I see people on Instagram are talking about it, man. Right. It's, it's, it's... Yep, they love the clips, too. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was like, man, how do you do that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. And I got, like, <laughs> another five to release. I didn't, I didn't realize it was so – I got another five to release just from the last episode. I got some good ones from the last one. I'll be wow. releasing that soon. That's cool. I like to release them before the next one. Lit. All right. So, oh, before we move on, uh, if you want to talk about your 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 uh, the real estate meetup. Oh yeah, man. I'm actually glad you asked that question because it was so cool. Um, I live I live a principled life, and uh, um one of the principles that I live by is just do the work and just put it out there. And so like last month we had this idea to do a meetup and um, we, we did it just kind of on a whim just to kind of put it together and see who would show up. And a few people showed up, it was like five or six people showed up. And um, I mean, it's so funny because in the network that I exist in, people are like, Oh man, you got to get more people out. You got to get more people out. And so I felt kind of challenged, like they kind of challenged me to step it up. <laughs> so um, when I when I put out the next one, I gave it like a good month of just promotion. I actually promoted it. I didn't just like put it out there once or twice. Right. Um, and then I created an event page. So I went through Eventbrite, mm-hmm. set that up. And then I also went through, um, and with Eventbrite, it actually make a Facebook event for you too. But what's cool, what I realized in doing this is, Eventbrite lets you sell tickets. So it's not even just like posting it up there, but you can literally sell tickets. And so I realized, I was like, bro, like this is a potential source of revenue. I didn't even look at it as that. I was just looking at it as like getting people together, not necessarily making money. So I'm just like, (laughs) right. So it's like, and they're all symbiotic. I mean, mean, before I kind of get into the, the quality of the event, it's just I realized, like, in doing it and taking on that burden, like, we always talk about the responsibility of creating for the culture of Los Angeles because we don't really have one among that Instagram crowd. Like, we know Baltimore, Charm City has it on lock. We know Texas, Erica, and Money Made will have it on lock. We know Detroit is um, Asia Denson and them. And, I mean, we're going to start doing some Detroit stuff. But it's just dope. The technology allows you to really 
create a business with a few keystrokes so you can start creating revenue. Imagine if we do it once a month, we bring in once a month, we charge 20 bucks per person. We bring in a hundred people. That's two grand a month, just inside mm-hmm. money. Two grand a month could pay off your student loans. So in a year. And so it's just dope that we can do that. But um, it's so cool. I mean, another principle, the reason why I did it is it's kind of selfish. It's like, I want to meet people. And I know that I'm not the most outgoing person. So I'll go to somebody else's event and I might talk to two or three people. But if I create the event, I literally am forced to make sure that I make a connection with every single person in that building. And I did that. Everybody who walked in, I spoke with them. I shook their hand. I learned about what they do. And I met some really dope people, man. There's people who were doing deals in Detroit. Um, A lot of people doing deals in Detroit. Um, I ran into somebody who is actually doing what I want to do and that he um, basically he Airbnbs a bunch of units in downtown LA and Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I was just doing it strategically so that I can get a, get a place in downtown LA and not, not have to pay for it out of my pocket. But he's already doing it. So that pretty much gave me all the knowledge I needed to know and also a mentor that can do it. Uh, so, I mean, it's just so dope that like everybody who was there, African-American, everybody was African-American, but they were all engaged in some form of real estate investing. And if they weren't, we were pushing them and trying to help them figure out how they can get into the market and what I was telling people is like we get all this guru stuff and if you look on Instagram a lot of the gurus aren't in Los Angeles they aren't in the west coast but we have to come together and we need to figure out how we can employ different strategies and tactics from where we are and so for me I invest out of state and a lot of people who are in California like they invest out of state and so you might have people who are looking at people who are investing in their backyard and getting upset because they can't invest in their backyard but if we come together, we can start brainstorming and finding ways to do it. And there's so much power just in the brainstorming and the mastermind effect. Um, so it's like you got to get around people who are who are who are in your area, have the same problems, um, and and just kind of create solutions. So it was great, man. And I can't look, I can't wait to do the August one. The August one I want to say is going to be August 13th. It's that second Tuesday. Um, so I already sent out an email to all the people who came to the last time. We're just gonna run it through Eventbrite. And I mean, what I'm, what I want to do is start charging, um, just not even so that I can make money. I want to charge so that we can round up the events, we can get a better place, uh-huh. so we can start getting food catered, um, and just make it an upscale first class event for folks. Because I mean, I think we deserve it. Okay, sounds good. And uh, just so. real quick for those of you listening, Eventbrite is a good place to find events that other people yeah. are putting on i mean i've been using it the last couple of months and i I've, I've run into some black people doing some really dope stuff and like uh the gentleman's factory in brooklyn and then there's this guy alfred edmund jr he's the uh executive but um he's the editor-in-chief of black enterprise magazine and he was thrown on the event right here in the city i live in north new jersey and he's doing it monthly, and this yeah. it was just amazing to find that on Eventbrite. I mean, yeah, and it's cool because you can literally go and search what you want right. to find. And so, like, that's what I liked about it. Like, when I couldn't find my event because it was kind of tough to – I have so many email addresses. I had to go and search, and I just typed in LA Instagram Meetup, and I was like, wow, this is super official. Like, you have your own webpage, and it shows you, like, your tickets, and it, you can send emails to all the guests. So, like, last time what I did is – a bunch of people just like emailed me their RSVP. Mm-hmm. 
So in order for me to actually email them, I would have had to go through all the many emails that I get, all the spam emails from all these watch websites trying to sell me watches and stuff. <laughs> and I would have to compile this list and then send an email. Nah, I just had to one click it. And then it keeps an index of all the emails. And then it also sends out a reminder email. It's so dope. Yeah. Technology has empowered us all, as Nipsey Hussle said. It's, it's literally, it's even the playing field. We got to get in. Yeah, you also, it also allows the uh, attendees to click on a link and add it to their Google Calendar or whatever. It's like, Ah, yes. nice. That's all. I didn't even know right. that. In fact, actually, I think um, definitely. I think right family. Google <laughs> is so invasive now that they they'll create. They might create. They'll create the the event on your calendar based on the email before you even doing it. They, they'll re, because it's in your email. They'll create. The, wow. They might create the thing for you. But anyway, wow. Hmm? Yeah, I was um. I set up a bunch of conference calls today. Because we had a conference call for the barbershop. We had a conference call. So we had a con- conference call with okay. the barber that's going to be running the barbershop. We had a conference call with the actual barbershop. No, we had a conference call with the HBCU capital team. And then, of course, the, the Tide capital team as well. It's so crazy. Like, the, the, the Tide capital, the work that I did with Tide capital has allowed me to effectively create uh, a clone of Tide capital just with a different mission. So it's like no wasted experience, no wasted work. But, right, and it's like uh, yeah. if you focus on that first thing, then you could branch into other things so much easier, right? Exactly, way easier. Yeah, so don't try way to be easier. creating 10 different things at the same time when you're just starting. Not when you're just starting. If you've never run a business before, try not. don't try to start 10 different things. Right, it's like we started the Thai Capital Investment Club before we did anything else. And then the Chai Capital Investment Club became successful. And then we started branching off on kind of symbiotic companies. Yeah, symbiotic flows. Don't abandon the first flow. You got some good stuff. And I see Erica Erica Williams was at the event also, right? Right, right, right. Um, Value there in that it it helps. And when we did it, I was kind of getting feedback from Erica and she was saying that they no, I was I was talking to Rashawn Scott and she was saying that she had done a, a meetup in uh in Chicago, not Chicago, in Atlanta. And she said that their event had like a crazy amount of people, but they also had like three influencers all collaborating on that one event. And so she said that that kind of gave them an advantage that they had so many influencers right. just kind of promoting that one event. And so I was like, Well, let's get Erica on board. Erica's an influencer. I'm kind of a quasi influencer, and let's 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 see what we can create. And so I think that played a big part. And so now my strategy is Pardon to, right? um, I want to br- I want to bring in mm-hmm. want to bring in guest mm-hmm. speakers. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? So, yeah. So that's one thing we're looking at doing is bringing bringing in somebody to kind of talk about their real estate investing experience, kind of like a podcast. So. It's going to become more structured and more professional and just a better overall experience for everybody the more we do it. Sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to see what happens. Um, on an off note, we got to we got to organize a cash flow online game. Um, the Rich Dad cash flow game. You there? Huh? What about it? 
What was the question? Oh, okay. I can hear you now. I was saying we got to organize a right cash now, flow game online. Uh, I've never played it. so I, I thought you were trying to do that. Uh, you were talking about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Soon. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's that's one of the goals. Yeah, either through one of the groups, either Thai Capital or HBCU Capital or both. Yeah. Or just random people on the internet. It'd be kind of cool. I play that game. I try to play like every night. It's just fun seeing how you get out of the rat race and different careers because different careers, I mean, the goal is always to get enough passive right, income right. to be greater than your living expenses. So it's just kind of. Okay. Breaking up again, but. So I guess the barbershop is coming soon. Uh, any idea when you launch it, actually launching the barbershop? I think the barbershop could be launched as early as August 1, if not sooner. Okay, okay. This guy, the guy that we're working with, he wants to, he will, he, he would take it and cut it tomorrow if we let him. So uh, that's good, man. Uh, yeah. That's good. Okay, so let's touch on some of these tweets of yours, man. Everybody is. Everybody follows the tweets, man. Tweet like Todd Meddy. So <laughs> let's first talk about first when you said, I chose not to struggle or I choose not to struggle. Give me one second. Sure. Princess. Todd Millie, we do we do our podcast on the train, at the train station. <laughs> 10X. Where, where this woman is? Wife. I don't know where she is. Uh oh. She's right here somewhere. It's all, no, she's right here somewhere. She's right there. Anyway, let's kick it. So I chose not to struggle. I feel like, um, first and foremost, I think I took that from somewhere. I think I might have saw somebody make that comment and I just like adopted it as mine because. I feel like a lot of times struggle is a mentality mm -hmm. and you got to kind of make the choice what kind of life you want to live. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with how hard you're willing to work, but also it just has to do with the kind of reality you want to accept for yourself. And I feel like so many people just accept that they're never going to have nothing. They can never be anything. And then they create that world for themselves. And so for me, it's like, I chose not to struggle. I'm not struggling. I'm going to work as hard as I got to work. I'm going to invest as hard as I have to invest. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to not live that life. And um, I think that's kind of what my parents did, where they were willing to work and go to school so they could get to where they want to go. They're willing to work and then work some more to get to where they want to go. And they created a great life for us. And I plan on doing the same thing. One of the things that I will say, though, in regards to, quote, struggle, is I was listening to this Eric Thomas thing, and he was talking about how there's this kid, and the kid came to him, and he was like, man, I'm, uh, I'm in my second year of college, and this is just so hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. They said, I'm struggling right now. He's like, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? And Eric Thomas was like, keep struggling. <laughs> and, 
And that instance, I think, is just dope because a lot of us want greatness, but we don't expect the struggle that comes with greatness. Right. We just want the success. And I mean, the same thing is true with marriage. It's like you're going to be married and you're going to run into some struggle. But it's like that doesn't mean that you quit. That means you just keep struggling. And on the other side of that struggle is a greatness. On the other side of that struggle is a testimony. You look back and you laugh at the things that you used to get upset with. So I just, I feel like, I mean, in, in certain instances, I think that struggle is subjective or a struggle is relative to um, what we're talking about. I mean, I, if we're talking about like struggle, struggle, like I've grinded, I've struggled, but in regards to like this mindset of like, I'm oppressed and I can never get ahead. I don't subscribe to that mentality at all because I've seen it happen from my parents. I've seen it happen for me. It's not just something I'm making up. And I feel like that's why it's so important to qualify the people that you allow to speak to you. It's like, what have you seen? Have you seen what black people can do or have you only seen what we can't do? Because so many people, they're going to give you advice on the outlook of what black people can do. And they've never even seen anybody that's already done it, even though they exist. And that's why I've been so adamant about going out and finding those uh, H.R. Russells, A.G. Gastons, um, Reginald F. Lewis's, because those guys did what social justice warriors are going to get on the internet and tell you that you can't do. And they're lying to you. If we can't do it, how come he did it? Yeah. One can't be right. And the problem is, is they're telling you what you can't do and they don't even know because we don't learn about those things in history class. So they only are telling you they've been miseducated. They're only telling you what they don't know. They don't know the truth, but they're giving you a, a general statement about your limitations. I think that's whack. Yeah, man. I'm with it. And and just for my own spin on the whole I chose not to struggle, for those listening, especially for those who might say, well, it's not just a simple choice and, you know, there's systemic racism with all the more reason you have to choose not to struggle because not making a choice is a choice and if you're not intentional about it you're just going to fall into whatever struggle you, you really don't want so right, right. make the choice people i'm making my choice amen so you were saying you said my business funds my investments both in stocks and real estate and you also said I create money with ideas and then put it into, into tangible assets. Yeah. So, um, so many principles. I get my principles from books. But mm -hmm. one of my favorite principles is that wealth comes through creation, not through competition. And that liberated me to start creating our things as opposed to competing for things. And what does competition looks like? Competition looks like getting into multifamily because everybody's getting into multifamily. Competition looks like running into markets because people are making money in those markets. That's not wealth. That is when you kind of run into... So when there's a lot of competition, the profits go smaller. So that's why I've always kind of been prone to strike out on my own and find my own way as opposed to copying what everybody else does. And when I learned that principle, um, I started to kind of walk into a lot of opportunities. But what's really important is that 
I also started to realize last year that as my business generates income and in a lot of instances, your business generates way more income than your job ever could way more income. Um, so what I found though, is I could do multiple things. I could spend big or I can invest big. And so what I started doing is I started investing big. And that's why I made so much money in the stock market is because as I was making money, I was just pouring it into the stock market. And so what I realized is that then I circled back to the rich dad, poor dad, and there's this thing he calls the BI triangle. Well, there's a BI triangle. And then he also just talks about this principle where your business funds your investment column. And so what's dope about it is you can work and fund your investment column. And that's great. A lot of people do that. They work 40 years, put away $1,000 per month, if that, and then they die. But what I do is I put away $1,000 a week and I just keep, keep stashing it and investing it all through the business because the business generates all this money. Um, and so I also was kind of thinking about this principle where in Rich Dad Poor Dad, he says that one dad struggled to save a few bucks and the other just created investments. And so what I do is I create things that bring money to me through my mind, through my intellect, through my wisdom. I can create an opportunity that flows money to me while working a job. So therefore, an example is creating a membership service. So I create a membership service and now that membership service generates an extra thousand dollars a month on my behalf. Now I just created savings. I created an investment. I created a business that then saves on my behalf. So you can work and you can hustle or you can create something on the side. Um, and so that's just kind of what I've done and it's worked and it's just amazing to kind of see because I mean, I'm going to get, <laughs> it's just nuts, honestly, because everything that I create has effectively allowed me to save. And they always say like the average person doesn't have a thousand dollars saved up. Well, I have multiple streams to kick in multiple thousands of dollars each month and all of it gets invested. If it doesn't get invested in the stock market, it gets invested in real estate. So working on a project where my portion of the money that I'm going to invest into the project is coming through podcast income. So I'm taking podcast income, which is just an idea that I created mm -hmm. and I'm going to put it into a property because the goal should be to make your money permanent. I want to make my money permanent. What do I mean by permanent? I mean that I want to put it into an asset that pays me forever, or I want to put it somewhere where I ne the money never goes away. And a principle that I was realizing today is I was like, man, I'm about to leave the office. I want to go get some new jeans. Tomorrow's uh, casual Friday. I need some new jeans. And when I buy jeans, I don't buy cheap jeans. I'm buying like seven jeans. I'm buying Joe's jeans. I'm buying like $200 jeans. And then I was thinking, I was like, who do I got to impress? I'm not trying to impress these folks. I was like, I'm wearing the same jeans that I have in the house, and I'm going to just take this 200 bucks and I'm going to stash it. But what I realized is this. I realized that if you're going to spend it, it's going to disappear forever. So if you're willing to let some money disappear forever, let it disappear into the stock market forever. Let it disappear into some property forever because you were going to part with it anyway. And one thing I realized is like, whenever you spend money, you always get it right back. So why not do the same thing investing? Why not go broke investing knowing that in two weeks you're going to get another check? Why not go broke investing knowing that in another few days you're going to get another client? That's what we should be doing. If you're going to destroy money, 
destroy it in money, destroy it in an opportunity and an investment and something that's going to pay you and your kids forever. So that's kind of the principle. And it's just amazing because um, you have the cash flow quadrant and you have the employee, the self-employed side, and then you have the business and investing side. And I realized that the business and investing side kind of work hand in hand, kind of similar to how the employee and the self-employed thing work hand in hand. I always tell people that like, if you have a job, you can be a consultant, but if you're a consultant, you're effectively self-employed, but you can take the skills that you learn as an E and turn it into an S. And then what you do is you turn that S into a B and then you just step away altogether. And that's kind of where I am with the whole Thai capital family is I'm stepping away. I'm letting, I'm building it into a business, not into a job. And I can do that because I know the ins and outs of it. I know it so much that other people know the ins and outs of it. We were on a conference call today and somebody asked a question and like two or three people had the answer to it. They're like, oh yeah, we do it this way. And I was like, that is dope. And it's qualified people. It's not just some little like Rudy Poos. I got qualified people that are running this organization. I always tell people like, if you look at Google, you look at Amazon, you look at all these tech startups, they have qualified people working at these places. They come from Harvard, Stanford, Cornell, solid MBAs working at these companies. We need to be the same way. We need Harvard, Stanford, Morehouse, Spelman, all these people coming to work for this organization because I can't do it myself, not at the level that we could do it. We're talking about right. big, major stuff. So, and as you grow your business, the goal is to fund it into an investment. Turn that, as Erica says, your fast money into slow money. Mm. Turn your fast money into slow money. I like that one. But now that you mention it with the people, um, it's interesting. I started reading the... Uh, the billion dollar bet, the, the the Robert Johnson story about BT, mm-hmm. and he was he started hiring when he first started up. He started when he started growing bigger. He started hiring all these these guys out of the HBCUs and stuff. He was getting that talent, and they were hungry to work, even though it was a little bit less. But he got that talent, man. Right. That we already have in our community. Right. Just gotta put it to to use in the right area. So you said, um, I want to get rich. I could care less about that bullshit. I could care less about a title. <laughs> Man, I was listening to uh, my podcast, actually, and Xavier mm-hmm. said something that I kind of disagree with. He said, like, well, okay, I don't disagree with, I don't disagree with what he said. What I disagree with is, how he connected the two ideas. So basically he gave an example of like this Asian dude that he met that's worth $200 million, but doesn't look like mm-hmm. he's rich at all. And he said that he thinks that we actually need to make it seem like it's hot to be like the Robert Smiths or the uh, Don Peebles type. And so we need uh-huh. to be flashing to be out there. And so I actually disagree. Um, and I'm learning that more like, I don't, I don't necessarily need to be the face of everything I touch. I got to create an organization, not an extension of myself. And you create an organization by kind of building that organization and shrinking where I still get rich. I still make money, but it like Jeff Bezos's company isn't called Jeff Bezos. Warren Buffett's company isn't called Warren Buffett. Steve Jobs company isn't called Steve Jobs. They created this entity when you're an individual like LeBron James, there's a cap on what you can be. And so what I'm finding like with Blacker Pockets or with 
HBCU Capital, I have to take a step back. So I'm actually in the process of taking my company, Tide Investments, Tide Capital, and actually just calling it HBCU Capital because HBCU connects with so many different people. Tide might not. And so I'm realizing, like, I have to shrink myself so that my company can grow. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's like a crazy bar. But if you really think about it, like, if you're shrinking yourself to a trillion dollar company, are you really small? Not really. But basically, Uh I, I guess the root of that was, like, it's not about ego for me. It's not about titles. It's not about any of that stuff. It's just, can this organization thrive? Because if the organization thrives, I get rich. But if I'm just popular, I might not get rich. And so for me, I'm just more so focused on the vision and not the recognition. Dang, that's a bar. (laughs) The vision, not the recognition. Sheesh. Yep. And it's interesting you said that about um, shrinking yourself. Taking uh, Todd off the, the name. With the, the collaboration with uh, HBCU Realty, mm-hmm. I remember like years ago. This is way back when um, people were still selling CDs and stuff. And they were talking to Cameron, the rapper, and Cameron was talking about he has multiple companies. Like he said, he had one a distribution company for music and stuff. But he said you wouldn't know because his name is not. He didn't want to say the name of the company, some of the com- his company, because he said his people don't know he's involved with it. Mm-hmm. They knew he was involved with it. They just wouldn't mess with the company at all. Right. And in a lot of ways, a lot of people, they don't support something because they don't want you to really win. And I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know what's crazy is it's difficult to get the people around you to support you, not because the idea is not good, but because they don't want you to win. They don't want you to do better than them. It's like the idea that people want you to do well, but not better than them. So it's really tough to get people that are close to you to want you to really, really win. People who are separate from you, they, they're like, all right, cool. And so I feel like you have to really know the psychology of people and then use it to your advantage. It's one thing to say like, oh, we need to change people, but how are you going to change psychology? You aren't. You got to learn to use psychology to your advantage. I've noticed that like there's companies that call themselves like if you connect your company name to like a city, or to the country, like there's a company called Fund Capital of America. You open yourself up. It's like a cheat code almost. It's really like cheating. That's something I realized like, man, there's like, I can't think of a company, but when you connect yourself to like Detroit Property Solutions, you effectively encapture everybody into your market. But if you just have like, for sake of argument, like Thai Capital or Dentsy Construction Services, people might not want to support it because they just don't really want to see you win. They don't. So you got to learn how to kind of trick them into supporting you. <laughs> right. That's why some people, some people, I think some people don't want to put uh, black owned on some of their companies because they feel like black people won't support it. Actually won't support it if they put black owned. Mm on it but that's another story i feel like that's what opens up uh e-commerce and makes it so great is you can create a faceless brand and people are at that point buying because they like the brand not because you're black or you're white and so that's why a lot of times i say like the internet has equalized everything 
you can create a nameless, faceless brand and just get rich. And quite honestly, like, that's how business should be. That's how business is. A lot of people, they buy properties through anonymous LLCs. Like, the goal is to, to get rich and not have struggle, not necessarily to, have, to be famous. We have it mixed up because a lot of our successful people are famous. Fame is not the goal. Success is the goal. Putting your family on is the goal. Living the life that you want is the goal. Being on a beach while checks come in is the goal. Not being recognized everywhere you go. We have it mixed up. We have it mixed up. There's most of the billionaires and millionaires and hundred millionaires in, in America are people you walk past every day. You don't even know. But they own X, Y, and Z. That's where I'm trying to be. I don't even want you to know who I am. I just want to know the famished. All right. Y'all just say I I act broke and I'm not. Y'all act rich and y'all broke. <laughs> I just it's so funny because I look at like the things I have going on and making money and putting it into investments and making money and doing like smart things with it. And I was thinking, I was like, I could travel anywhere I want to. I just I'm focused on other stuff. So I got money flowing in all different directions. I'm just focused on like what can I acquire? What can I own? When I travel, I want to travel for real, for real. Not taking pictures on the beach while I'm over here uh, having to go to a hotel that I'm not staying in to get the nice pictures from, from the rooftop. Like, I just, I just see life different, man. And I feel like at a young age, I took a lot of like, I, I would try to like front and do stuff. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, if I can't live that life, I'd rather not. If I can't live that life, I'd rather build that life. If I can't live that life, I'd rather be putting the money up, being smart, building something so I can actually live that life. And a lot of us, we go into credit card debt or we get dad to fund it or we bunk up four in a room to get there. And that's whack to me. I feel like in a lot of ways, traveling is just the new Jays. People are traveling to stunt. People are traveling to show you that they're living their best life. Meanwhile, they got a job they got to come back to. That's not what traveling and leisure should look like. But the thing is, is if you put all the energy into actually getting that life, you'll eventually get that life. But if you put all the energy into acting like you look that life, you'll get to look like you live that life, but it'll be an act. And so I feel like for me, I'm more focused on actually getting there, knowing that I have the money. So it's like I have the money, but I'm still stacking. I'm still building. I'm still investing because like just because it's there doesn't mean that it's like they're there. I still have places I'm trying to get to. And so it's like, I'm, I'm not willing to like spend my investment capital to look like I've got investments. Right. Then it's like you play first and then you got to pay later. Mm. Instead of pay first Bars. and play later. Bars. I guess people, people, um, you know, people complain about, um, I'm not going to, work for 40 years and then wait till I'm old to enjoy my money. Mm -hmm. And they think like, they, they think the old ideas are just useless. But I mean, it takes time to build this kind of wealth that takes to really, really, really live that life that they want to live. Well, the thing is, is I'm not trying to wait until I'm 65 either. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you, hu you hustle hard enough. You don't take any days off, no vacations, none of that silly stuff. Put your money where it's supposed to be. And you could take a mini vacation. I'm not sure if you've read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, but he talks about the idea of a mini vacation, or not a mini vacation, but a mini retirement, mm -hmm. where it's like you, get, you retire yourself 
you get the passive income, you get the cash flow, you build that business, and then you take a whole year off where you go see the world. You see all the stuff that you were supposed to see, but you're free at that point. It's not a pit stop. It's permanent. And so I feel like that's where I'm like aiming to be. I'm 32 now. It's my job to hustle, sacrifice, build, invest, so that at 35 and maybe sooner, I could just say, you know what? I'm taking a whole month off. Y'all, I'm just going to see the world in a, in a, in a month. Right. And, and then I come back and I work out of my own office and probably run the business from the, from the, uh, from the beach when I'm, when I'm however old. Like, that's light. And you can get there a lot sooner if you focus on doing the right stuff. But so many people, their next 20 years looks like going to a job. So they're like, I'm going to live now. Because I don't have, there's no, they don't have a, I'm going to potentially be free type lifestyle. They don't even know it exists. I didn't know that financial freedom exists until about a year, two years ago. I was focused on getting rich. And then I realized like through the podcast, there's a thing called financial freedom. And financial freedom is when your passive income is greater than your living expenses. But financial freedom is also when you have a paid off house. If your house is paid off, you are retired. You literally have no reason to go to work. You work because you want to, not because you have to. A lot of us, their biggest expense is their house. Right. And so it's like if if you're going to work just to pay over the pay for the roof on your head, over your head, and probably the car that you're driving. So you pay off your car, you pay off your house, and you're retired. At that point in time, you do what Taylor Holcomb does, and she just invests in the stock market every day. Or you can work part time doing what you really want to do, or you can build your business. But if you can pay off your house, you're good. The problem is people don't pay off their debt aggressively enough. What they do is they take the extra money and they live life. And what they need to be doing is taking that extra money and doubling down on their debt and paying off that house and paying off that car so that then you can actually build the life that you want as opposed to just showing up to somebody's job for the next 20 years, paying off everything slowly. I was thinking about this this morning and it's a thought that I've had before. And it's that you, your mortgage and your car note is just the minimum payment. And so if you look at like that credit card statement and it shows right. you like your minimum payment and how long it would take you to pay off your credit card if you paid off the minimum payment and it's like 10 years, mm-hmm. like your mortgage is just your minimum payment. So it's your responsibility to buy something that you can more than afford so then you can chunk out the value instead of buying something that you can barely afford and then you're really just strapped to the job. That's what the system is designed. I was thinking about that today. I was like, they tell you to save and invest for the long term and then retire at 65 because it benefits them. They know that at that point, they have a workforce until they're 65. They, that's their goal. But you got to hack the system to your benefit. You got to say, I'm not going to pay off this mortgage in 30 years. I'm going to pay it off in seven years. I'm going to pay it off in five years. It's doable. My parents combined make at least 200 grand their house is maybe about 400 grand why should it take you 400 why should it take you 30 years to pay off what you can pay in four years if you lived up a one income and save the rest right it shouldn't take you that long if you were intelligent it should not take you 30 years to pay off a mortgage it just shouldn't Agreed, agreed. Yeah, yeah and uh, 
for the people listening, even if you make a lot, you have a high income, there's nothing wrong with a side hustle or even a second job, God forbid, temporarily chunk extra money at your debts. Temporarily. 100%. I feel like you owe it to your family to get rich, not to just get your kid coming to get rich not just to get a raise and so it's it's i'm at a point now where it's like i don't even think it's possible to get rich on a job therefore if you're not building a business you're just not going to get rich you just got to resign yourself to that fact however if your goal is to get rich you got to build that job you got to build that business rather it's it's either or it's black and white like i always say wealth is a team sport Therefore, if you're not operating as a team, you're not getting the wealth. I'm breaking stuff down until it's elemental meeting these days. I'm like, it either is or it isn't. Um, therefore, if you're not doing those things, you can't expect those results. The lottery is not how you get rich. Definitely not. The lottery is how you get lucky and maybe get rich. But it's like you owe it to yourself to build a business and learn how to build a business, knowing that eventually it's going to click. I'm starting like, I'm at a point now where it's like I've started so many businesses, but now I'm just so knowledgeable in my space that business flocks to me. But when I was younger, I didn't have any skills. So it's like when you're young, the only thing you can do is little basic stuff. It's really tough to get rich when you're doing basic stuff like selling candy and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, you get more skilled, then the world opens up to you. So maybe you need some skills. Yeah, Erica, Erica Williams always talks about that. You need skills, baby. Skill up, skill up. Right. So, 2020 and even the rest of 2019 is all about skills and teams. Skills and teams. (laughs) I like it. Skills and teams. I'll steal that from Melika. I don't think she listens, so. (laughs) Skills and teams. Get that right. So, Talk about getting rich, acting like you're broke, you know. Um, so you say, the more action we take, the more money we make. Pretty simple. It's true, man. I feel like that's true. Just talked about earlier in the meetup. It's like the more stuff that I do, the more money that flows to me. Um, I'll put. A- on Instagram and it was that producers win, perfectionists work for winners. And what I was saying is like, so I work with this guy who he's very precise with his work, but he has a very low output of work. Mm-hmm. I just produce work. I'm not over here trying to make it all perfect. I get it 99% of the way there and then I generate it. And I probably do 10 times the work that he does. But what I realized in that is that A students really do work for C students. And there's a book called Why A Students Work for C Students. And I realized that it's because C students aren't worried about getting it perfect. They're just worried about like creating. They're worried about producing volume because volume is how you get rich. Perfection is not how you get rich. Because quite honestly, perfection doesn't exist. And so you have a lot of people who are chasing things that don't exist. But what I realized in that is that that's true in anything. Like for me, 
I want to get into public speaking. I want to do more public speaking, but I've always held off because I didn't feel like I was perfect enough to public speak. And what I realized is you, you don't have to be perfect to start. You just got to start to start. And so it's a principle that I apply to everything. So why haven't I applied it to public speaking, knowing that I'm going to get better at speaking the more that I speak? I'm not going to get better at speaking by thinking about public speaking. I'm going to get better at speaking by speaking. So um, here, mommy, what the question was. <laughs> no, it was just some of the more actually we take, the more money we make. Right, right. So I just, it's the 10x rule. It's taken a bunch of action and it hasn't failed me yet. I, I, I post blogs like crazy. We do podcasts like crazy. We do conference calls and groups like crazy. Like the more that we do, the more money that flows to us. The more that we do, the more people that want to invest with us. That's why Erica does so much now. She goes to all these conferences because as you go to these conferences, people want to work with you. And so like even with the investment club or not the investment club, but with the um, that meetup, there are people on who I met at the meetup who are like, I want to invest. I want to partner. I want to be a part. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to connect with different people different ways. So some people want to meet you in person before they partner with you. And that's fine. Some people can listen to a podcast and they want to partner with, partner with you. And that's fine. Some people re will read your book and they want to partner with you. Some people will do this. And so the answer is that to get to success, you've got to do a lot. You can't just do enough. There's no silver bullets. A lot of people are just lazy. I just happen to have never been lazy and I don't ever quit at anything. And on jobs that might've held me back, but in my business, it propelled me forward. And so what I do is I just, I just take a lot of action. I never say no to anything. I never say no to anybody's podcast, anybody's anything. You want me to do it? I'm there. You want to be on this show and talk about this? I'm talking about this. And it just has not failed me. I just take a lot of action. It has not failed me. It's the 10x rule, 100%. Mm -hmm. And um, Joseph said, um, I don't have to be Kevin Hart. I just have to be Kevin Hart of Minecraft. Right. Um, so I was thinking about this as I was in the barbershop, and I was like, you know what's crazy? Is a lot of people will look at like what Kevin Hart does, and they'll say, oh, I got to be in comedy. Or they'll look at LeBron James, and they'll say, oh, I got to play basketball. Or they look at Jay-Z and they say, I got to rap. But what I realized is that those guys aren't just rappers and basketball players and entertainers. They are great basketball players and entertainers and rappers. So therefore, success follows greatness. We need you to be Kevin Hart, the comedian. Mm -hmm. We need you to be Kevin the Hart of putting tile on roofs, Kevin the Hart of plumbing, the Kevin Hart of landscaping the Kevin Hart of painting, the Kevin Hart of finance, the Kevin Hart of real estate, the Kevin Hart of, of being a doctor. We need greatness across the board. And I've realized that wealth follows greatness, not rap and not sports and not entertainment. And so that's kind of where my focus has been. It's like, I just, you gotta commit yourself to your craft and really be great at it. And it was kind of a challenge. I'm telling you, like, don't just show up at the job and just do the job. Show up at the job and dominate that job. Kick that job in his face. Be great. Like, that's kind of what the challenge was, and that's kind of what I realized. I was like, greatness is allowed anywhere. Oprah, 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 Oprah Winfrey said that. She said that the greatest tool, I guess it's just, ugh. Oprah Winfrey said 
that the greatest tool against discrimination is greatness because greatness is accepted anywhere. And it reminds me of that quote where Serena Williams is saying like, we, we didn't change anything. We just kept winning and we, and they had to let us in like that we couldn't be stopped. And so my challenge for black people is don't expect people to just let you in, go be great. And then if you're great, you can decide if you even want to be in their building in the first place. Uh, like that's the true kid like i'm great but do i really want to go over there not really f your system i get paid without it that's what currency said like f your system i'm great whether you accept me or not and it reminds me of that jay-z said y'all still out here taking advances we're taking real chances you gotta bet on you because there's a lot of us that aren't going to get accepted no matter how great we are there are a lot of us who are not going to be accepted no matter what just because that's just not in their interest. They have a vested interest in serving and, and building up their community. And I'm okay with that. I just know that you gotta choose you, you gotta build you. But the beauty is it's more lucrative when you build your own. I could have been trying to work for Morgan Stanley or all these different firms and I wouldn't be serving my community. I serve my community in so many ways now, not just in the fact that I allow us to invest in real estate and stocks, and eventually private equity, but I invest where our dollars matter. I'm not out here trying to build class in Huntington Beach. I'm not out here taking money from doctors, helping them get richer. I'm over here helping my people get rich. And I did it because I took a chance on myself as opposed to trying to beg to get in somebody else's system. So it's a win multiple ways. Like, it's just nuts, man. You gotta better yourself. You gotta choose yourself because your community needs you to choose yourself. Yeah. You also said, bro, when you build your own company, you make the rules. Finna have a yes drinking right. party like Madman. It's so about how, like, when you get your own company, it's like entrepreneurship is as much about power and control as it is the money. Like, entrepreneurship is about you dictating the terms of your life, of your career, of your office attire, of your office policy. Everybody wants to go into somebody else's house and tell them the rules instead of just building our own house and dictating the rules. It's kind of like when you're a child. When you're a child and in your parents' house, you got to listen to the rules that they set for you. you got to come when they say come in. But when you get your own place, you show up whenever you want to. You, you, you drink what you want to drink, eat what you want to eat, keep whatever you want to eat in your thing. And the same thing is true about business. When you own your own income, you dictate what you do. And I was thinking about it because I was like, man, I always have these visions of what I want for my office. I'm like, I want TVs that run CNBC all day. But then I was like, man, it'd be cool to have like a PlayStation 4 in here. And it's like, we just got the PlayStation 4, like just chilling, doing that kind of stuff. It's kind of like when you, you know, when you go to a barbershop and like the barber has it like laid how he wants it. He has his little sound system. He has whatever decorations he wants. He like has his sports team up. Like that's how business is, not just the barbershop. So if you own your own investment firm, but you own it, you run it, you manage the capital that flows through it. If you want to have a big fat head of Kobe Bryant Duncan, you can. That's your office culture. And that's what I aspire. I aspire to have an office culture that fits me. Good. And I realize mm -hmm. you know So I realized that by building my own business, I also get my own freedom. What I want, what kind of office I want, what kind of music I want played who I want to run the office, all that stuff. Like, it's just liberating. It's, and that's one thing that I discussed on our, my recent podcast I'm about to drop with Doug Dept, 
is for him, entrepreneurship is about power and not just that, not just the money. And that's what we realized with real estate, like real estate's about power, not just the money. It's about being in control of your destiny, not having somebody pop up and say, oh yeah, we're raising the rent or oh yeah, um, you got to go. Like that's what entrepreneurship and that's what business and that's what real estate is about. Hey. Yep. Let's wrap it up. Episode fun six. stuff, man. Yeah, episode six in the books. Tweet talk. Shout out to friends of the show. Erica Williams, Classy Climb. Trying on YouTube. Uh Hudder States with the trucking the trucking uh master class. Who else is it? Invest with Terry, trade and travel program, learn how to day trade and swing trade. Yo, you know what's so crazy about creating your own media is you can advertise your own companies. You can help build your own companies. That's another thing that I realized when I created the podcast. I was like, I got this black-owned podcast that does nothing but give ads to mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like that's dope. Um, so, yeah, check us out. August meetup goes down. Let me get the exact date because I don't want to give you the wrong date on a national platform. All it's right. going to be August 13th, like I said. Tuesday, August 13th, 7 o'clock. Location to be announced. Guest speaker to be announced. Um, check us out everywhere. Um, check out the store at bimro.com backslash capital. Also, check out um, the Investment Club Slack, the HBCU, cap, uh, HBCU Capital Slack. All the links will be in the show notes. Take it away, Raphael. What's up? Oh, I thought you were going to close, man. I thought you had like a closing remarks. Oh, I uh, just want to cut it short. It seems to be breaking up today, so just going to cut it short. Raphael and Charles out. Peace. Peace. <laughs>